You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Uh, I've got a great, great message today. The title of my message today is Soul Worth. Soul Worth. And it comes out of my, uh, it comes out of a line. In fact, the whole month of December, I'm going to use Christmas carols or a line out of a, my favorite Christmas carols to, to preach the message or at least to frame the message. And so the soul worth comes out of uh, O Holy Night, where it says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. It's a magnificent, magnificent stanza. What a beautiful line. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and then the soul felt its worth. When Jesus, when Jesus appeared in a, in a world with sin and error, and, and you'll always find where there's sin, there's error. Where, where there's sin, there's error. Na- nations have over the centuries definitely tried to move away from God, never to their benefit, always to their detriment. The problem with you and I is we are stuck in a time cycle. What I mean by that is that uh, there's a book called The Fourth Turning, which talks about what they call the saculum. The saculum is also where we get the word cycle. And basically what it says is that that history has had a pattern of repeating for 6,000 years. Every century has almost an identical pattern of the previous century. And the problem is because we don't live longer than a century we reach our hands out to the same flame. We see the red glow on the stove and we reach out our hands, don't touch, but we've got to touch. We see the sign wet paint and we've got to see just how wet. And so every generation, unfortunately, repeats the same. In fact, the one lesson that we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. That's the one lesson that, that, that we learn from history. And so the beautiful thing about the Bible is, is the Bible actually gets you and I to be baptized into where we have thousands and thousands of years of human history recorded so we can, we can actually leapfrog and say, actually, this is not a smart path and that's not a great way to go. We can really learn from, from you know, these, these mistakes in culture. So uh, when Jesus appeared, sin and error pining, Jesus appeared and the soul felt its worth. The soul felt its worth. I got saved in 1986, January, on a beach. And the moment I got saved, I was going to heaven. Christian, I was going to heaven because I was saved. Now, I was saved, but I was jacked up. Now, I was saved, and my jacked up self was still going to make it to heaven because I was saved. Just so you know, you're going to heaven not based on what you have done, but on what He has done when He said it is finished, it was finished. So we're going to heaven because Jesus did all the heavy lifting, okay? However, when I got saved, I was still 99.99999% dysfunctional. Dysfunctional in my brain, dysfunctional in my mindsets, dysfunctional in my paradigms, dysfunctional in my attitude, dysfunctional in my, my emotions. This morning in the 8.30 a.m. service, we, we had uh, 
uh, one of our, our beautiful people, young Tammy, was sharing about when she came into the internship program. And she said, I was saved when I came into the internship program. She said, but she was struggling with an eating disorder. She was st- st- struggling with feelings of being over, just feeling overwhelmingly unworthy. She, she had a business idea and she even had someone say, hey, listen, that's a brilliant business idea. We'll fund and resource it. She says, but she kept disqualifying herself because in her head, she didn't feel like she was worthy of prosperity and the blessing of God. And so she found that it wasn't that God wanted, didn't want to bless her. She found that the biggest issue was within her and that there was so much brokenness from her past. That's why I believe that every single person needs to have an encounter with the Savior, have an encounter with Christ where your soul feels that worth. Then he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Jesus said it this way. Jesus says, what would it profit a man if he was to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? So Jesus saw the soul as more valuable than any of the material any of the the wealth, any of the resources, anything that you see in this world, Jesus wants you to know you are shortchanging. If you sell your soul for that, you just shortchange yourself. Your soul is worth more. Even when the, the devil offered Jesus all the kingdoms and their glory. And it's amazing because you will always offer to other people what is valuable to you. So he takes Jesus up onto a high mountain thinking Jesus is just as jacked up as me, surely. And he shows him all the kingdoms and the world and their glory and their splendor and their shimmer and their shine and their gold and silver and trinkets and ruby and topaz and jaspers and onyx stones and all this kind of stuff, diamonds and glistening. And he says, all of these have been delivered to me and I can give them to whoever I wish if you would just bow down and worship me. And Jesus is like, you jacked up. I didn't come for the stuff. I came for the people. I I didn't come for the stuff. I'm not going to die on the cross for the stuff. Jesus didn't die for diamonds. He didn't die. So now finally I can get my hands on the gold. He died for you. The most precious thing in the universe, the dearest thing to the heart of God is you. And I've got to be honest that I can memorize Scripture and I could quote Scripture. But until it resonates, until the words of that song can become your confession, then He appeared and the soul felt its worth. You, You will stay in a broken and dysfunctional relationship. You will put up with being abused or misused or mistreated while you don't feel your soul worth. Why do we? Because we want you to feel your soul worth. We want you to know just how valuable you are. And I've got to tell you, it's a journey. And I've got to tell you, every single moment where God tried to reveal to me how much He loved me, it was actually met by me trying to act like I was my own prosecution attorney. All right, Yerkes, take a seat now while I convince God why you're such a jack wagon and deserve none of his blessing and so your honor may i present to you exhibit a exhibit b exhibit. and i'm like go you hang on yurks what are you doing i'm like shut up and uh and i was disqualifying myself telling god why he couldn't bless me and why he couldn't do and and uh, really what it was was a was a soul worth issue 
a soul worth issue. So let me give you a couple of scriptures that it's going to seem like it has nothing to do with it, but it all ties in. First one is Deuteronomy 8.18. I'm going to give you four passages. In fact, we're going to do a lot of scripture today. Forgive me. I know I came to you. I wasn't expecting scripture in church. Sorry about that. We're one of those churches. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, You shall remember, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you. Come on, somebody. He who gives you. Power to get wealth. Power to get wealth. Is this one of those Joel Osteen churches? Well, possibly. But anyway, let's just keep moving. Let's just keep moving. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Can I just tell you, all Scriptures are good. All Scriptures are good. If your theology is in contradiction with Scripture, change your theology. Keep the Scripture. Scripture's good. All right. It says this. It says, Now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they're all with one accord in one place. Then there came a sound. Verse 2. Uh, suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Where did it come from? It came from heaven, but it came to earth. A sound of a mighty rushing wind. Okay, sound. So there's a sound. Mighty rushing wind. And then it says, And there divided to them tongues as of fire. And go to verse 3. And they repeated them, divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. Verse 4. And it says, And they were all filled. Everyone say filled filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, Jesus, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem till you receive power, for you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, the, Jesus spoke this to saved people. He said, to saved people, you're saved. You're going to heaven. My blood shed on the cross has washed you, cleansed you, secured for you eternal life. But I need you to wait for power. They're like, yeah, but we're saved. I know you're saved. I didn't just die to bring you salvation. I also have something else I want to give you. May I suggest to you, that if God gives you something, He's expecting you to receive it. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. May I say to you that if God sees it's so important to give you something and tell you that you need to receive that, that it is in your best interest not to just give it away. In the sense of not to let somebody else take it from you. To not treat it lightly, but treat it as something special. Uh, let, 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 me, let me jump in, in, into to the point. So there's, there's 120 people left on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is 10 days after uh, Passover, after Jesus rose from the dead. It's 10 days later. It's, so it's like a Pentateuch. It's 50 days. And so, so Jesus appears for 40 days, 40, and then... 10 days later, so it's 50 days, 50 days, excuse me, 50 days from Passover is, is Pentecost Sunday, 50 days. Jesus has appeared for 40 days, gone to heaven, and then 10 days later, the Holy Ghost falls. On the first day that Jesus told him to go, there was 500 that went up. But over 10 days, the crowd kind of whittled down to on the 10th day, there was only 120. So 380 people said, man, I can't keep hanging around for, I got I got to go and mow the lawn. I got to go and take out the trash. They got to sail at Naughty Nordstrom's. 
You know, thank God there was no, no Leanne might have missed out. But anyway, let's not go there. Not throwing stones, not throwing stones. Anyway, so, so 120 left, 120 left, 120. Now, Kenny, being, being an astute, you know, Bible student, told me that he can, he can name at least between 16 and 18 people that are in the 120. I was like, I'm, I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, Thaddeus. I'm like, who's Thaddeus? He's like one of the 12. I'm like, I should have known that. Should have known that. He's like Levi. I'm like, which one's Levi? He's like Matthew. Matthew used to be Levi. I'm like, man. He's just... And so, you know, Bartholomew. I'm like, there was a Bart? Yeah, there was a Bartholomew. I'm like, man. And he's like, you know, Lazarus was probably up there. Martha, Lazarus's, you know, sister. I'm like, they're related? He's like, yeah, and Mary. And, uh, and then Mary Magdalene and John Mark. I mean, just unbelievable. Incredible. But once he got to 18, that was about it. So there's 102 people. We don't even know their names. We don't know who they were, but they were in the upper room and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. They received power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Hmm. God does things different to man. God does things different to the world. I want you to notice that Jesus, when he baptized with the Holy Spirit and with power, you shall receive power, the power didn't fall on Caiaphas, the high priest. The power didn't fall on the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the elders. The power didn't fall on Caesar. The power didn't fall on Augustus. The power did not fall on Aristarchus. The power didn't fall on the Tetrarchs or the governors. The power didn't land on the power structures of the day. The power went to unnamed people. Because what God does different to this world is God empowers from the bottom up. God empowers from the bottom up. The world structure empowers from the top down not with the kingdom. The kingdom of God, God empowers from the bottom up. That tells me, that tells me that I may not yet have completed my studies. I may not yet have graduated college. I may not yet have got my degree. I may, and yet God will still empower me. That tells me, that tells me that I may not yet have started a business. I may not yet have run any successful venture, but God will still empower me. That tells me that it doesn't matter which side of the tracks I was born on. That tells me that I don't have to be someone of great notoriety or great frame or great pedigree or great background, that I don't have to go to the right schools in the right town, be born on the right side of the tracks. That tells me that God, there was at least 102 people. We don't know anything about them. And the Bible specifically doesn't mention anything about them because God wants you and I to know that you are qualified. You are not disqualified. God wants to empower you. So in this church, we are not just a get people saved church. A lot of churches is, is like, well, you know, our job is to get people saved. And then when they get saved, they receive Christ. We say, our work here is done. But Jesus is like, what do you mean your work here is done? You didn't get them born again. You don't have the power to born again them. That's me. I do the, the borning againing. I born again them. You disciple them. You empower them. You line them up, get them filled with the Holy Ghost. So, we, we don't, so when you come in here, you're... 
you're not just going to get saved and then now your job is to sit in a seat. No, no, you get saved. Guess what? That's just the beginning. When I got saved, I was 99.99% dysfunctional. Dysfunction in my thinking, dysfunction in my attitudes. But then I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Now there was a power on the inside of me starting to, to go into the basement and into the attic. And I needed both basement and attic. Let me just tell you. And he was unraveling stuff and you don't need this. Ah, he's throwing it out and he's replacing it with stuff. I'm like, man, I like what you're bringing in here. And uh, your life will get better. It's called discipleship. Yeah. Now let me get, get into the points. Point number one. Very, very, this is very important. Point number one, prosperity, wealth, and resources flow to those in power. Prosperity, wealth, and resources flow to those in power. This is a great, a great truth the devil does not want you to realize. You need to understand the advantage that Satan has over you and I is the advantage of age, the advantage of millennia. He has been able to study the rise and falls of empires and civilizations for thousands of years. What the devil knows is that those who are in power, wealth, prosperity, blessing, fruitfulness is attracted to those in power. Those who are disempowered, money and wealth flows from them. Those who are empowered, money and wealth flows to them. That's why God says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. Power and wealth go hand in hand. The devil knows if he can create a generation that feels powerless. Powerless. When I went to school... As a little boy, we, we, would, we would have, you know, story time. We'd all sit on the mat and the teacher would read a story. Every single story had one thing in common. As, as the story would come to an end, the teacher would f finish the book and she'd say, can anyone tell me what is the moral to the story? What is the moral to the story? We did the, the boy who cried wolf. Oh, oh, pick me, pick me. You know, don't lie because after a while, people won't believe and you'll be like the boy who cried wolf when a wolf really came. Nobody believed him and tragedy hit the city because he kept, there was morals to the story. Over the last couple of decades, those in authority over our education system decided let's remove morals. Let's not put morals, let's not force our morals. Why would you bring your Judeo-Christian morals onto people? In fact, you know what makes you a bigot is your Judeo-Christian morals. But you know what happens when you remove morals? You demoralize a generation. Have a look at what the word demoralize means. Demoralize means to be without power, to be without hope. To, everything is overwhelmingly hopeless is to be demoralized. And, and they were completely demoralized in battle. Somebody that is demoralized can't ride another chick. Someone who's demoralized can't lift their head. Somebody who's demoralized can't believe that next week is going to be better than today. Someone who's demoralized can't get up again in the battle. The devil wants to demoralize a generation because he wants a generation demoralized because he wants to enslave them. God has given the church power. God has given... God has given normal people power. He's given everyday people power. But you need to understand there is a world that does not want you to have power. It wants you to transfer that power to it. Because 
it, it operates in a greed and in a lust because it knows that whoever is in power, wealth flows towards it. So there are governments saying, hey, will you give up your power? Will you give, in exchange for you giving up your power, we will take care of you. Point number two is America is unique. America is unique. I've lived, I was born in Germany, grew up in Australia, lived in New Zealand. Now I live in America. I'm an American citizen. It took me 14 years, but it was worth it. America is unique. Why is America unique? Why is America unique? I'm glad you asked. Why is it? Because the, the first three words of the preamble of our Constitution, even in the preamble, I mean, we haven't even got to the Constitution. And just the preamble coming into it opens, whoosh, opens up a can. First three words, we the people. We the people. The, the people that govern, govern at the consent of the people who governed. So the founding fathers saw this. They saw 6,000 years of recorded human history. And they saw that wealth flows towards those who are in power and away from those who are disempowered. So what they did was they turned democracy on its head. Instead of the power residing in a king, instead of power residing in a dictator, in a potentate, in a, they put the power in the people because they knew that the wealth and the resources flow towards those who are in power. We live in an age today where be, beware, beware, beware. There is a lie out there saying if you will just surrender your power to us, we will redistribute the wealth much more favorably. To You don't need a man. You don't need a third party getting involved saying, give me your, God gave you power. He gave you power. Money, finances, blessing is attracted to power. Now watch this. America makes up less. America makes up less than 5% of the world's population. Less than 5% of, of the world live in America. Less than 5%. Yet, yet, on an annual basis, the All other right, 95, it takes the other 95% of the world to produce half the wealth, America, the 5%, produces the other half of all the wealth generated in the world is produced by one nation, the United States of America, that makes up less than 5%, and yet she produces 51.8% of the world's wealth every single year. America, America has lifted more people out of poverty than all the other nations in all of history combined. Because she takes a biblical principle that she understands that whoever is in power, the resources flow to them, flow to them. Now watch this. Mary said to Gabriel, when Gabriel said, you're going to bring forth a Messiah. He's going to save the people from their sin. He's going to be, he's going to be amazing. Be called the son of the most. She's like, <laughs> she goes, I think you got the wrong girl. I don't know a man. I do not know a man. And he said, darling, you don't need to know a man. The power of the most high will overshadow you and fulfill everything God promised you. 
most people, most people live and the devil has already gotten in their head. You're a victim because you don't know a man. If I just knew the right contact, if I could just have the right man, you don't understand what a man did to me. There was a man, he took my job. There was a man, he let me down. There was a man. The angel Gabriel said, sweetheart, you don't need a man. The power of God. Can I just tell you? The power of God is going to come upon you and that will elevate you. Number three, closing now. Number three, and it's a little bit of a long close, so forgive me. Socialism robs the soul of its worth. Socialism robs the soul of its worth. Now watch this, watch this. A lot of people say, well, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. I believe that Jesus was a socialist. It was all about equality. You're like, if Jesus was here, he'd be, like, he'd be going into Wall Street, taking it and giving it like to the homeless. Socialist Jesus. All right, well, let's have a look in the Bible. Very important. So come with me, Genesis chapter 47. Genesis 47. Genesis 47. Now, how many people know that Israel uh, were slaves in Egypt? Okay, how many people know that? When God came and saved Israel out of Egypt, He saved them out of slavery. Okay, so Israel was slaves in Egypt. Nobody ever asked the question, how did they become slaves in Egypt? Because Joseph went down and then he brought his family down there. But they weren't slaves when they arrived. But some, at some point during their tenure in Egypt, they lost their freedom and they became slaves. Let's not allow that to happen in America where we start in freedom and end up in bondage in slavery. So is there lessons we can learn? I want to put it to you. Perhaps there is. Genesis 47, 13. There was no food, however, in the whole land, in the whole region because of the famine was so severe. Both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and in Canaan in payment for the grain they were buying. Uh, let's see, 10 minutes on the and clock. he brought it to... He brought it to whose place? He brought it, who was in authority? Who was in power? Where was the money going? So there's a famine in the land. There's a COVID-19 epidemic lockdowns. And they're bringing all the money to Pharaoh. Okay, when the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt came to Joseph and said, give us food, why should we die before your eyes? Our money is all gone. Then bring your livestock, said Joseph. I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock since your money is gone. So they brought their stock. They brought their IRAs, their 401ks. They brought their savings. They brought their, they brought their investment properties. They brought their, so they brought their livestock to Joseph and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep, their goats, their cattle, their donkeys. And he brought them through that year with food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was over, they came to him the following year and said, we cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there is nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Interesting, interesting, interesting. There is no nation on earth that rejects the ownership of private property where the people prosper. And there is no nation on earth where people are allowed to have 
and own private property where the people do not prosper. The single, the single indicator of prosperity of the individual is the ability for that individual to be able to own private property. So they are now saying all that we've got left is our property and our bodies, ourselves. So they said, since our money's gone, why should we perish before your eyes? We and our land as well. Buy us and our land in exchange for food. And we with our land will be in. And we with our land will be in. I know we don't even want to say it. Bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not become desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's and Joseph reduced the people to servitude, which is slavery, from one end of Egypt to the other. In other words, wealth and resources flowed from the people and it flowed to Pharaoh in power. If, if you want to see this, just drive up to San Francisco, have a look at how Nancy Pelosi lives, and then have a look at how people on the street live. She has an $18,000 fridge freezer combination, eats high-end ice cream while people are languishing, sometimes in their own excrement on the streets. Many of our politicians, they want power. Now listen, they will pipe off that they're caring for the poor. We've got to do something about the poor. We need to pass this bill to help the poor. Remember the person that was around Jesus that was piping off the loudest about the poor was Judas. When, when, when Mary poured the alabaster oil of spikenard, the perfume on Jesus' feet, it was uh, Judas says, what a waste. Can't believe that Jesus would condone such a waste. It's going to be sold and given to the poor. People right there would have been like, man, Jesus probably been hanging out with Joel Osteen. <laughs> yeah, Judas, you ought to run for office, mate. Judas is scared. One who cares. But the Bible says this he said, not because he cared for the poor. Be careful of those who always pipe off about we need to do more for the poor. Because I'm pushing on it, I'm going to dig down a little deeper. 20, 2018, 2018, $380 million was spent on poverty up in, up in San Francisco and uh, Los Angeles area. The homeless situation increased, it didn't decrease. So 2019, they passed a $550 million budget. One of Nancy Pelosi's relatives uh, got a, I think it was a $70 million contract in that $550 million to do a study on homelessness and its impact on people. I mean, you don't have to be blind Freddy to realize, um, homelessness, bad. <laughs> no, 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 living on the streets, not good. No, no, but, but, this relative gets $70 million to tell us what... When people give up their power, understand that when you give up that power, money, wealth, and resources flow towards power. That's why God empowered you. That's why our founding fathers empowered you. The wealth and the resources, don't, do not give it up. Do not give it up. Henry Ford, 
Remember Henry Ford, Ford Motor Car? Henry Ford said this, if you wanna see how well the government takes care of people, have a look at the American Indian. Henry Ford said, that's how government takes care of people. You say, well, you know, that's Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well, glad you asked. All right, let's have a look. Let's go to last scripture, I promise. Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Acts 4, verse 32. In fact, the title of Acts 4.32 says, Sharing in all things. It says this, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things that he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there any among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands, of houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as had need. And Joses, who was also named Barnabas by the apostle, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the house of, Cy of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So I've, I, over the years as a Christian, I've had people say, that's why I want them to get back to that, like, you know, where, you know, the church, like we just look after each other as a community, they had everything in common. That's why we get the word communism, everything in common. Nobody owned anything. Like there it is. It's in the Bible. Socialism. Well, well, it is in the Bible. But how many people know that there's another chapter that follows chapter 4? And you can't stay in chapter 4 because it's now finished. So you have to go to chapter 5. So let's keep reading chapter 5. It says, But a certain man named Ananias, with his Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part? So in other words, what happened is he's like, man, I like this. I get to share all your stuff. I get to go over and open your fridge and eat your food and drive your car and everything. And so I'm going to sell my stuff because I want in. I just don't want you to have all of my stuff. So I'm going to bring 80%, but I'm going to keep 20%. I'm going to, I'm going to just stash this over here. I mean, I want everything you've got. I'm just not going to share everything I've got. I want everything you've got. I'm just not going to share everything. And Peter's like, you little scallywag. Why would you lie to the Holy Spirit? You haven't lied to men, but lied to God. The Bible says when he heard this, he breathed his last and fell down dead. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men rose, wrapped him up, carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later, verse 7, when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened to her husband. And Peter answered and said, tell me, Sapphira, whether you sold the land for this particular price. She said, yeah, that's the, that's the price. Peter said to her, how is it that you and your husband have conspired together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet, breathed the last, and the young men came in, found her dead, carrying her out, buried her beside her husband. So great fear came upon the church and upon all who heard these things. Socialism, communism lasted in the New Testament one chapter. One chapter. Why did it only last one chapter? Because of 
greed. Because of greed. Let me tell you, wherever you see poverty, do not listen to the liars and the false teachers and the false prophets that say there is poverty in third world nations because of inequality. There is poverty in third world nations because it's not being equally distributed. That, that is the rhetoric of the greedy trying to lie to you, saying, hey, if you just give us your power, we will distribute it equally. No, no, no. Wherever you see poverty, understand there is greed. The Bible says there is much food in the fallow ground of the poor. Proverbs 13, 23. There is much food in the fallow ground of the poor, but for lack of justice, there is waste. There is much food in the fallow. Did you know that some of the richest soil in the world is in Uganda and Ethiopia? When you read about the Queen of Sheba, she came from Ethiopia. She was the Ethiopian princess. Today, Ethiopia and Uganda are known for their poverty. They're known for their abject poverty. And yet it has some of the richest soil, some of the most outstanding diamonds and jewels and minerals and resources in the ground. The Bible says there is much food in the fallow ground of the poor, but for lack of justice, not for laziness, not for ignorance, for lack of justice. Who executes ju whoever is ruling over the land? The greatest injustice, the greatest injustice, Maduro, the greatest injustice, Chavez, the greatest injustice is when we see people, they occupy authority, they fare in luxury while their people languish in poverty. Right now in Venezuela, Chavez and, and his, his henchmen eat in the finest restaurants a country that was once rich with minerals and, and oil and everything else. And now the people, the citizenry are eating out of trash cans and struggling and crime and poverty has gone through the roof because the people gave up their authority. They gave their power. All the power is now in the palace and all the wealth is going to him and away from the people. God put power in his people. The founding fathers who were devout Christians, 51 of the 55 signers went to church every Sunday. 27 of the 55 were clergy. They had the Bible to draw on. They had history to draw on. And they saw, and it was just an idea. That they, there was no guarantee. They had no idea. But they just said, man, from looking at the Scriptures and looking at history, if we can invert this, if we can put power in the people. Do you know America invented the middle class? Did you know that? There was never a middle class. There was the rich and then there were the serfs. There was the rich and then there were the people that worked the fields and, and worked the factories and the rich. But it was America because she put power in the people that created the first middle class. Do you know a middle class person today in the 20th century lives greater than kings and queens lived in the 18th century. Just a middle class average person in America today in the 20th century lives a greater lifestyle than a king or queen just two centuries ago. Just even go back one century, if your washing machine broke, you either fixed it or you went with dirty clothes. America has generated so much wealth and prosperity that they, they now call us consumerists. We have Black Friday sales where 
my washing machine ain't broke. It's just a year old. And there's a brand new washing machine that Siri, hey Siri, clean my clothes. Okay. And then, you know, I mean, we, we replace things not because they're wore out. We replace things not because they're broke down. We replace things now because there's a newer model. There's a better model. We upgrade our cars. We upgrade our life. We upgrade we, we, because, of, because of incredible prosperity. And there's a lie from the devil right now trying to get you to give up your power. Jesus says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. Till you, rece- you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, there was a sound. There was a language. Power has a sound. Power has a language. And power has a song. Power has a song. The enemy is trying to take away the song. You can gather in church, but you can't sing. Oh, I see you. I see you, finish. Let me finish. If you look at the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, There was one tribe called Judah. There were 11 tribes that became part of the kingdom of Israel. And then there was one tribe that was the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah could hold her own against all the other 11 tribes. In fact, the tribe of Judah was so fruitful, was so prosperous that she could in battle take on all the other 11 tribes. It took all the other 11 tribes to compete with one tribe, Judah. The name Judah means praise. Praise precedes fruitfulness. The governor of California says you can meet in church, but you can't praise. There's no praising. There's been one one nation that Satan has been relentless to extinguish from the earth. And it's not the it's not the nation of Naphtali. It's not the tribe of Benjamin. It's not the tribe of Reuben or Gad or Asher. But when I was little in Germany, there were still signs in 1967 where I was born that said Juden verboten. And it had, you know, like bullet holes and stuff in there, which means Jews forbidden. Jews forbidden. Juden verboten. Hitler's final solution was on the Jews. The word Jews comes from Judaism. It's from the, the, the tribe of Judah. Now listen, he'll, he'll absolutely wipe out Israel if he can. But he is incensed about Judah because he knows that the earth reflects heaven when the earth is in praise. It's like Forrest Gump. It was so beautiful, Jenny. I couldn't tell where the earth finished and heaven began. When you're in praise, the angels are having a Forrest Gump moment. They're discombobulated because when we're praising, they can't tell where heaven finishes and the earth begins. Everything blends when we're in praise. When they beat Paul and Silas and they put them in the prison, 
they began to praise in the midnight hour. The Bible says that every prison door busted open, every chain and shackle fell not just from their wrists, but fell from the prisoners' wrists. Some of them were just listening, others were sleeping. Whether they were listening or sleeping, they may not have been praising, may not have even believed in the God they were praising, but they still experienced the same deliverance. They experienced the every prison door and every shackle and chain fell from the wrist as the devil, the devil with COVID is not content to just try and kill the elderly and those with comorbidities and pre-existing conditions. He wants to shut down and shutter our economy. But even more than that, his ultimate goal is to take away praise. Because when you and I praise, we have the language of power. Power has a song and it is praise. When you are praising, you are declaring, doesn't matter what I'm facing, doesn't matter what I'm going through, my God is for me. My God reigns. My God reigns. Our God reigns. And because my God reigns, nothing will be impossible. Nothing can stand before me. Don't let the devil take away your power. Don't let him take away your song. Don't let him take away your praise. We are silent. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.